And let me be really, really clear. I am not good at waiting. I'm an Aries. I'm a firstborn daughter. I'm an extremely um, ambitious person. I'm an Enneagram 3, wing 2, and I am not good at waiting. And perhaps, you know, that's for me where the effort comes in. Avoiding my anxious brain kicking in and saying, you're doing this wrong. You're self-discovering too slow. It's allowing me to hold my anxiety with both hands and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. Let's wait and see. No one else is watching this path of self-discovery. It will be fine. Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandeven. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks, episode 50. I'm your host, Erin, and I'm beyond excited and a little bit nervous to be recording episode 50. I think it might sound funny to you that after recording 50 episodes that I still get nervous, but I do. I kind of fidget a little bit and I procrastinate. And I tend to kind of, you know, want everything to be just perfect, but eventually I have to settle in, get myself ready to record and just go for it. Just start talking. That's, that's been the number one thing that has gotten me from episode zero to episode 50 is to just sit down and do the thing. And it's still the case with episode 50. I still just have to sit down and do the thing. So I am so, so pleased that you're here. Thank you so much for listening uh, all through 50 episodes. If this is your very first time listening to Medium Lady Talks, I think you're in for a really good episode. Today we're talking about medium effort, mindful fun, and my own personal origin story. I felt like this was a really appropriate subject for episode 50. In some ways, I'm actually really surprised that I haven't talked about this before episode 50. But it is what it is, and I think that we're going to have a really great chat today. I'm here, and you're here, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate your focus and attention and the one-on-one time that we get to spend together. If you're so interested in following me outside of the episode, you can always follow me on Instagram. I can be found at Medium Lady Talks over there. And usually the latest episode is a pink tile in my feed. It's usually pinned to the top there. And if you want to connect after the episode, you're very welcome to go ahead and do that over there. If you like this episode, I hope that you will go ahead and give it a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you love this episode, I always recommend that you share it um, with a medium lady in your life or you go ahead and share it on social media, on Instagram. Be sure to tag me in your stories or in your post so that I can personally reach out and thank you for listening and thank you for sharing the episode. So with all of that podcast housekeeping out of the way and even after 50 episodes, it never (laughs) stops feeling cringe. Please do consider after 50 episodes giving the podcast a rating and review. Um, That will really help us find like-minded listeners across the big wide world and continue to grow the amazing Medium Lady community, which is truly all about medium effort and mindful fun. So if you've been with me from the beginning, you've heard me talk about medium effort and mindful fun, you know, off and on along the way. And in 2019, I kind of found myself at a very pivotal moment in my life, a, a very new chapter, or if anything, a brand new book to my way of living and my way of being and my way of finding myself. 
So in 2019, I found myself, I was sort of severed off of a job that I loved, a position that I loved, and a workplace that I loved, colleagues that were wonderful, and a lot of opportunity that came with a lot of recognition. And that severance, in many ways, created a crisis in my life. Um, but there was another thing, a great thing, an addition from to the severance, which was the reason I wasn't working. The reason I wasn't working is that I had a baby. I had a wonderful, healthy baby boy, my third child, and yet somehow with the addition of my baby but the loss of my job, I found myself profoundly adrift. I was in this vicious sea of hormones. I was lacking sleep, as new parents always do. I had this predisposition to anxiety already. And I think what I later came to understand at this ending of my role, which was really just a maternity leave, and I'm in Canada, so I had the privilege of a 12-month maternity leave at the time, and the addition of this baby to my family, um, I later kind of came to understand that what happened was a loss of my sense of self, but also perhaps a disconnection from my sense of self and a reconnection to something that was more valuable, more sustainable, and probably a lot healthier. But that took time from that moment of severance in 2019. I found a lot of validation in my work at the time. And at the time, I was working as a clinical manager in a very busy acute care hospital here where I live. And I took the privilege of maternity leave, and I was excited to go on maternity leave. I had had a what felt like a very long pregnancy at the age of 36. My body sort of sent me many, many messages through the time that... Uh, that this was a challenge for me and I, I experienced a lot of pain and discomfort through my pregnancy. But though objectively my pregnancy was very healthy and very straightforward. But, you know, I think when I took that maternity leave, which was supposed to be a happy and exciting thing, I, I think I lost that sense of validation. I lost that source of validation. And that loss of validation really messed me up. I think what grew out of that pain and loss, thankfully, has been a better sense of who I am. And who I am replaces what I do as a pathway to validation. So I used to say, oh, I'm a nursing manager, I'm a clinical manager of a busy inpatient area, and we save lives and help people all day long, and I'm extremely proud of the validation that that role gives me. Instead, now, I am finding my way and have found my way to a place of validation to say, Hi, I'm Erin. I'm a wonderful, worthy human being. I have many, many strengths, and I'm a caring, generous, and compassionate human being, and I find a lot of validation in being exactly who I am every single day, no matter my role, no matter my titles. That pathway to validation has taken a lot of effort, um, but it's not the effort that you might expect. It's really not the rigidity of rules and perfectionism or a go-with-the-flow kind of letting life dictate your circumstances and just kind of letting go of expectations or letting go of context. The effort of discovering who you are is a persistent kind of endurance, and I've been engaged in that persistent endurance ever since 2019 when I had this severance from my role and the addition of my baby and what ended up being a really profound postpartum depression. You know, this patient, quiet, consistent, positive effort, making my way out of depression and trusting that I could get there. I could get to a sense of knowing who I was and defining the place in the world that was made for me 
if not today, then maybe tomorrow or the day after that. And I eventually labeled that medium effort. Medium effort is asking those questions. Who am I? What do I value? What do I like? And then waiting for the answers to show up, allowing a space between the question and the response. And let me be really, really clear. I am not good at waiting. I'm an Aries. I'm a firstborn daughter. I'm an extremely um, ambitious person. I'm an Enneagram 3, wing 2, and I am not good at waiting. And perhaps, you know, that's for me where the effort comes in. Avoiding my anxious brain kicking in and saying, you're doing this wrong. You're self-discovering too slow. It's allowing me to hold my anxiety with both hands and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. Let's wait and see. No one else is watching this path of self-discovery. It will be fine. Who are you? What do you like? What makes you tick? And then that willingness to wait while the answers play out in your life and while you experiment with what matters. That is medium effort. The who are you question for me, I think, started with understanding all of the negative labels that I had attached myself to in a weirdly positive way over time. And one of those things was perfectionism. A really important part of becoming who I am was reconciling with my intense perfectionism. Even, I think, the act of, you know, coming on the podcast and speaking who I am and engaging with my self-discovery and engaging with guests, it triggers a lot of the perfectionism in me. Are we doing this right? Are we doing it wrong? Who's going to mark us? What grade are we going to get? Is there a rubric? What are the rules and how do we follow the rules? Occasionally, uh, I would catch myself considering an idea for Instagram, an idea for the podcast, and I used to really run this by the perfectionist. I would I would say, you know, hey, what do we think of this idea? Should we go ahead with this idea? And the perfectionist would often put, put gates and barriers up. She would say, nah, you know, we better not. We better not. And I've gotten a lot better at waiting before consulting my perfectionist on ideas. And I can still feel her flex her muscles. I think she's really finally getting used to me telling her, you know, no, we're, we're not doing that anymore. We're not holding back for fear of figuring out who we are. Um, we're not holding back to allow other people to tell us who we are. We're going to try things and some of them might be failures and that's going to be okay because we are getting validation from being worthy, kind, gentle, compassionate people, person, woman, and <laughs> perfectionism is not a part of our finding worthiness in the world. You know, sometimes I say to myself, remember that day when everything went perfectly? No, of course not. I, I had this troublesome habit of measuring my days against a rubric of perfection, a standard set somehow through this like compilation of patriarchal messages, women's magazines, articles, listicles on how to, you know, how to have a kick-ass day or, you know, um, the routines and habits of the smartest people in the world, you know, those kind of things that are sort of portrayed as being the rules. I used to, I, I really did. I used to wake up at 5am to do yoga. Wow. And, and I've already made it very hard to have a perfect day if the start of the checklist, the start of the rules contains waking up with the sun. Somehow, I think if this can be managed, you know, I'm also not supposed to have coffee first thing in the morning. I'm supposed to have hot water with lemon, you know. Those are the rules. These are some of the things that required medium effort to unpack and deconstruct. The thoughts I was having, the beliefs that I had about what it took to be myself, to be my, to be who I really was. 
and to pull apart the things that were actually not part of me at all, but were a part of the unconsciously or consciously adopted memos from society. Even after that really difficult year of being pregnant, the tremendous challenge of postpartum depression, a global pandemic that happened after that, you know, the person who woke up at 5 a.m. to do yoga still feels like like a whole other person away. But the perfectionist in me still, you know, considers waking up at 5 a.m. to do yoga pretty much every morning. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I consider waking up at 5 a.m. more often than I admit. And and I really don't wake up at 5 a.m. to do yoga. I really have not done that for probably five years. The problem with the rule is when I don't wake up to do 5 a.m. yoga, I feel this sort of shadow cast over my day and this pit of disappointment in myself. You know, oh, no, I broke the rules. It's that meme, I didn't go to the gym today and that makes five years in a row. You know, picture me saying that about yoga and then carrying around a forlorn sense of disappointment in myself all day. Being a perfectionist doesn't allow for life to be lived in a gray area and somehow I've accepted that I'm either functioning at a 10 or a zero and nothing in between and those are the rules. The rules are about how to function at a 10 and there are no rules about functioning anywhere less than 10. If I can't pull off 5 a.m. yoga, then my day must be destined for the toilet. And what a shame, because think of all the fun that could have been had if only I'd started the day off perfectly. But honestly, no one lives at 0 or 10. And why would I accept that showing up with anything less than 10 is a reason to carry this stone of sadness around in my belly all day? That's where medium effort comes from. Embracing medium effort is my personal rebellion against pulling off the perfect day and scoring a 10 out of 10. Some days, medium effort is showing up at a 3 or a 4 and finding ways to experience the most that that one precious day has to offer. Other days, medium effort might be closer to a 7 or an 8, but still the experience is the same. What is the most I can experience, enjoy, look forward to, reflect on, and savor today? That is what I want. That is who I am. It's not perfection, it's humor, joy, wonder, sometimes even stress or sadness. This morning, I woke up with my toddler. I might have lost my temper a few times. I had more than one cup of sweet milky coffee, and I waited too long to have lunch. I haven't had a walk yet today, and I definitely did not wake up at 5 a.m. to do yoga. I broke the rules. I broke a lot of rules, actually, but I'm still having an amazing day. The perfectionist wants to know the score. She wants to tally all the rules that were broken, measure it against a false sense of doing life right, and she can try really hard on some days. But over time, what I've been able to do is to look my perfectionist in the eye and say, remember what I told you, we're not doing that anymore. And sometimes she says, oh yeah, I forgot. And I say to myself, it's okay, I forgive you. Unpacking perfectionism in myself was about understanding high effort. High effort is always about perfectionism. It's always about grooming the exact moment to unleash yourself on the project, the idea, or the adventure. High effort claims that you need to read one more book or lose 10 more pounds or tweak one more phrase before getting started. High effort says your house needs to be decorated perfectly. It says you have to select the best menu. It says you have to wear the most fashionable clothing in order to get out in the world and live the life that was made for you. But there's also low effort. 
It's the kind of waiting that allows things to unfold and sometimes can have spontaneity take over to a point of directionlessness. You know, before you know it, you're halfway through something you didn't even sign up for. You're on a ride that you want to get off of, and you've said yes so many times that your mouth can't actually even form a no. And that, to me, is people-pleasing. And people-pleasing is something that I've also had to confront and consider in building a life that was made for me and in finding medium effort. Low effort is being a yes person. You know, sometimes something is happening at you instead of you starting something. Medium effort is about less perfectionism, more momentum, less passive but more excited, less caution and more exploration. It's getting started with a thought and a mindful willingness to put yourself out there and then see what happens next. For me, medium effort has been about writing. It's been about recording this podcast and taking the mindful steps that admits, you know, hey, this next part is probably going to be a little bit weird for a bit. You know, you get started, but you know that you're going to grow while being uncomfortable. That is medium effort. Medium effort is accepting the discomfort that comes with growth. It's setting the minimum standard of discomfort that you can handle while figuring out who you are. And usually that requires accepting that things might actually never feel quite right until you look back and realize that they were exactly perfect. Medium effort is my message to you that there is always a middle ground. There is always a middle ground. You don't have to be a hot mess or a control freak. You can always be medium. There are a lot of memes and jokes about how women have to do either one or the other. They have to choose between these binary options. Advice for new moms, for example, is this endless tirade of all the things a mom should do while also doing the opposite. You should make sure you exclusively breastfeed your baby while also making sure that they um, have formula and experiment with all kinds of different foods and tastes. You should make sure that you co-sleep with your baby to achieve total bonding, but also um, make sure that they sleep exclusively in their crib. And, And it's these kinds of things that make us feel like there never is an option in between. And it really has been over time breaking my heart when we talk about our own perceptions and where we've failed miserably or we've lacked the vigilance to make sure things are going perfect. I'm on my own constant journey of personally course correcting that requires a middle ground. The middle ground is always a spot where I can be curious about the future, but also relaxed about the past. I'm, I'm not beating myself up about who I used to be, who I was before I had Beckett, and who I've become since. Medium effort really asks people to confront the messages that they've been receiving and to understand that those messages are binary and rigid, and they usually restrict the lived experiences of women to relax into more meaningful ways to live their lives. You can put effort into something that doesn't work out, and you can benefit from that experience. Short-term experiments can always bear fruit in the long game. We are all believing something that isn't true. Maybe you can relate to my story about perfectionism and the rules, but maybe for you, you realize that you've actually been believing something that isn't true as well, and that you desire freedom from that. And your freedom can be found through the effort it takes to call that out, to call out the routines, those patterns, those habits, those messages. Medium effort has offered me, and I hope it will offer you, a middle ground for pursuing the life that you're meant to live. The approach of living in the middle allows us to navigate a gentler path to taking up our unique space in the world. One of the ways that I 
have playfully moved into medium effort has been my monthly experiments on Instagram. Every month, I set up an opportunity for myself to have what I call self-care goals in the categories of read, play, try, and think. So I will set up the books that I hope to read that month. In terms of play, I will talk about something that I'm going to mess around with without caring about the outcome. I'm going to anticipate that when I play, I might, you know, produce nothing. Produce nothing and experience everything and learn about myself. Um, The try category is usually about perhaps pursuing something that feels like me or that might feel like me. Something that has been appealing, but perhaps I've never actually carved out the time to dedicate to trying it. And by dedicating that time up front, by putting medium effort into how I want to spend my free time, I allow myself to try something new. And if if I try it and it doesn't work out, that's really just data and information about myself and who I am and what I think about the world. And so that leads me to think. And thinking has probably been the most medium effort of all the things because I might say to myself, hey, let's think about the long game. Hey, let's think about boundaries. Hey, let's think about perfectionism. Hey, let's think about how we want to spend the rest of the year. And by giving my brain a sort of anchor, it allows me to ground down sometimes and not experience the monkey mind or the hamster wheel of thoughts that race in all different directions. And I can use that as a bit of a tether to myself. And to say, remember, past you thought about this particular topic or engaging in this kind of thought pattern for the month. And we don't have to go off in all different directions. We can just experience comfort and control at the same time by sticking to this one particular idea. And usually the beauty of that is I start to see that thematically in all kinds of things. I might find it in the books that I'm reading or magazine articles. It might come up in conversations and it stimulates me in a way that makes me feel like I'm kind of writing my own self-help book, I guess, in many ways. So that's medium effort though, because these are not things that happen by accident. These are things that happen purposefully. But when I put effort into it, I'm not doing it because I expect to be a better person by the end. I expect to have everybody look at what I'm doing and think I'm amazing. I don't expect to have something to show for it at the end. I really am just efforting around my own life. I was going to say messing around, but it's really efforting around and figuring out the ways that that gives me information about myself. And then one thing that has really worked for me is the medium effort of cataloging and recording these things for the archives and then making time to look back on them, to look back and say, oh yeah, that is really interesting that um, two years ago I actually tried that. I had forgotten. And what did I learn when I tried that? What was that experience like? And being able to go back. For example, let's say I said that I wanted to try having a more... um a more relaxing morning routine. That's something that I keep coming back to. And I think that every time I try it, I get a little bit closer to what feels the most like me. And that allows me to be able to answer the question of who I am and what am I all about by gathering this information time and time again. The other really interesting thing about this 50th episode is that it actually is falling on the three-year anniversary of Medium Lady. 
Medium Lady being the Instagram account, the writing, the self-exploration that I started back in November of 2019. So when I think back to, you know, being three years old or 50 episodes in, I I feel like I've really come a long way. But I think if you think about being three years old or doing 50 of anything, those are really kind of small numbers in the grand scheme of things. And I think that when I started Medium Lady, I set out to understand the ways that my life could be made more meaningful to me and the ways my life could be made more mindful by taking time and putting medium effort into experiencing my life with intention, not experiencing my life the way others saw me or the way others needed me or the way I was trying to control how others saw me or needed me. This journey, I think, has really taken me, you know, up, down, and all around, (laughs) mostly through the things I already love, exposing and naming the things that really bring me joy. Makeup, plants, books, all of those things are me and things that I love. And, And sometimes, you know, putting that effort into some things that I didn't quite see coming, you know, things like vulnerability, things like my own authenticity, things like exploring my relationship between being a child and now being a mother, The more I set myself up with medium effort, the more I've been able to find maximum living out of my own life without input, without input and the dependencies of others, the dependencies of the world context, the dependencies of my social context, the dependencies of my family or my employees or my friends, the dependencies of my my followers or my community. The more I can set myself up to understand who I am without input, the more at peace and worthy I feel of living my life. There have really been constant new lessons to learn in this journey. The best ones are often the ones I don't see coming, but really ring really true to your soul. (laughs) Some of these might even sound really cliche, but through writing for Medium Lady and talking through Medium Lady Talks, the podcast, I've really collected a lot of sort of new rules, I guess, or new truths for myself. That time and attention are always going to be my most precious resource. That's why it means so much to me that you are willing to spend time and attention with me on this podcast. Another thing is usually I can accomplish what I want with what I already have because I'm way closer to what I desire than than I ever thought possible. Another thing is if I can get it done, I should just do it. (laughs) If I can make a podcast, I should just make a podcast instead of waiting the 10 years that I waited before getting started. One other thing that really rings true and I want you to hear me clearly through this is that It is rare that I am alone in my experience. I am sharing my own origin story of having been severed from one thing and thrown into another thing and experiencing profound depression as a result of that loss. However, it is rare that I am the only person who has had that experience of postpartum depression and that oftentimes the places where community can really be let in is when We share our own experience and we can feel the beauty of someone saying, yes, of course, me too. The other thing that I have found to be absolutely pivotal to who I am in the world is that my appreciation can often overcome my anxiety. My gratitude for living in this world and thinking about the things that have meant the most to me is often the most appropriate balm to the ways that I worry about the future and the things that my brain does to tell me that things are not going to be okay. One really mystical philosophical idea through all of this 
journey has been the idea that the present has no limits. That when I am grounded in purpose and when I am feeling that I don't have to worry about the future and I don't have to fret over the past, that I can live in the present and that is a limitless experience for me. And then finally, medium effort in the things that I care about often results in the deepest impact on my own life and happiness. Does that mean that I'm a 100% happy person all the time? No, hopefully. And if you've been listening (laughs) for the last 20 minutes or so, you'll realize that that's also not the goal. The goal is to not be happier. The goal is to be more me. The goal is to be more whole. The second tenet of my personal philosophy or the sort of guardrails around who I am in the world is mindful fun. And mindful fun, I think, is maybe a little bit more straightforward than medium effort. And it's often probably the thing that you may actually want to start with mindful fun. If if anything I'm talking about today appeals to you in your own pursuit and discovery of who you are in the world, mindful fun is something that I discovered after medium effort. I used to say kind of, Um, medium effort, maximum living. And then I kind of realized that I was still just painting a picture of perfectionism um, with medium effort. (laughs) Because what even is maximum living? And then eventually what I really realized was that I was pursuing a life where I could live in the space between stimulus and response. And I have shared before on the podcast one of my favorite quotes by Viktor Frankl, which is, in between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space lies your ability to choose, and in your choice lies your freedom. And that space I continued to reflect on and use that space to figure out what matters to me. And so I do that by thinking about mindful fun and having mindful fun every day. I have fun reading. I have fun with makeup. I have fun with food. I have fun with my kids. I have fun online. I have fun trying new things, and I have fun thinking deep thoughts. And I think that that's the question that I put to myself on a regular basis is, how am I having mindful fun every day? And what is that mindful fun teaching me about who I am in the world? I think that mindful fun actually became even more of a sort of totem of survival through the pandemic, because it was the one thing that I could really control was the effort that I put into getting to know myself and deciding how to spend my time and energy, and then actually spending my time and energy in the way that I said I was going to by having mindful fun. And that mindfulness became a very rewarding practice. It was a way to invite myself and to invite others to continue to experiment without being too attached to the outcome and allowing that outcome to help you figure out what works for you. And that should be fun. It didn't have to be joy. It didn't have to be happiness. It just had to be fun. And in the middle of the pandemic, it was really important to know that this was not about toxic positivity. So let me just take a pause and tell you about where I was in the pandemic. So this was about six months after Beckett was born. The pandemic kicked off. Kicked off? Mm, The pandemic started. And I was at a point where I had made my way through a lot of healing from my postpartum depression. I was seeing a therapist regularly. I had started medication that was very effective. The baby started sleeping on more of a predictable routine. Everyone had adjusted to having this sort of new life, this new routine with three kids. My partner and I were on really good balance, really good communication. 
and it felt like I was going to be able to hit cruise control on the back half of my maternity leave and really enjoy routine, structure, communication, a sense of health and well-being that I had really worked hard through the fall of 2019 and the winter of 2019 and 2020 to get myself to that place. And I felt like I had really kind of navigated my way purposefully and reflectively to a place of enjoyment. But then the pandemic hit. And I think what happened next was about finding a sense of control, a sense of purchase on a slippery slope. And this was not about toxic positivity. It was really, when it came to mindful fun, it was about living life with an up-close approach to my own thoughts and feelings and making effortful changes to help me with those thoughts and feelings. It was about recognizing that my beliefs and what I believe about any given moment was fueling my experience of the present and also impacting my reflections on the past and my thoughts about the future. So my beliefs, if I believe that mindful fun can be accessed in any given moment, or I believe that I can have fun, and I believe that I'm worth having fun, then that was helping me with my thoughts and feelings around the lockdown, around COVID-19, around the pandemic, and around what that was going to mean for me and my maternity leave. Oftentimes, mindful fun for me is asking questions like, what am I looking forward to today? How can I amp up the fun in this experience? Is it my morning coffee? Is it my shower? Is it having more fun when I'm scrolling social media? Is it having more fun when I watch Netflix after dinner? You know, there's a lot of ways to access mindful fun together. Sometimes, and especially during the pandemic, these were things that kind of went viral, But for some people, I think they went viral in a kind of mindless way as a way to unplug and as a way to disconnect from the reality of the context. And for me, it was more about plugging in. But instead of plugging into the environment and the context, it was about plugging into myself, plugging into who I am and what makes me tick as a way to feel grounded and to feel somewhat safer um, when there was so much uncertainty around us. Still to this day, the concept of mindful fun becomes really, really important whenever I think I am truly just remaining grounded in who I am at any given moment. Sometimes that's about experiencing something tactile. Usually it's about activating my senses, but it may also be about pulling something that I know brings me joy, looking at something that I know brings me joy, listening to something that I know accesses a deep sense of memory or pleasure or accesses a deep sense of satisfaction for me. And this is also about the boundaries of who I am in the world. The things that are mindfully fun for me are a unique thumbprint of who I am. And the discovery of those things in terms of an itemized list is the great pursuit of anyone's given life. These are the things that people say, you know, who are you and what defines who you are, I feel like I have a better access to the answer to that question than I ever did when I was ever, maybe, (laughs) I was going to say, when I was at the beginning of my, you know, of my self-discovery journey. Now, the beginning of that journey was very, very painful. And there's one important story that I think is at the crux of mindful fun. I remember having told my therapist at the time that There were moments where I really felt like as a mother, I was just window dressing in my family's life. My sons, my three sons, especially the older two, 
are very much into their dad. They're very much into everything that he enjoys. And as such, they spend a lot of recreational time together exploring those interests. These are not interests that I share, and I'm totally okay with that. But as parents, we often kind of dim our own light or dim our own interests in order to create more bandwidth for the things that our kids are discovering and the things that our kids really love and are interested in. It's often perceived as selfish if you drag your kids along to do something that you like, which is something that they don't like to do, or you make them watch a movie or listen to music that you like, but they don't like to do. Not only could it be perceived as selfish, but it also can sometimes just be ruined because (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been around a kid that's doing something they don't like to do, but most kids are very, very vocal about that, and they can usually single-handedly find a way to ruin or at least cause enough irritation for you to want to stop doing the thing that they 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 are very effective at you know whining or complaining enough that they can ruin the song or the movie or whatever the experience is anyway that being said to go back to this conversation my therapist had said to me she sort of challenged me she said well Aaron what would you share with your kids if you had the chance or what is it that you want to share with your kids but you're not you feel like you shouldn't or you feel like you're not able to And this question had come after I was sort of complaining. It was like, you know, like they all have fun together and then I'm the afterthought. I'm the window dressing and I'm the one who's asked for the sandwich and the granola bar and then they all go back to having fun together. And she said, well, what would you want to share with them if you had the chance? What is it that you're not sharing with them that you would like to? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer. So all of this complaining about being extraneous or not being asked or invited to share in my own interests and joys was a sort of moot point because I didn't know where to start in the first place. And that, to me, was a little bit heartbreaking and still to this day is one of the things that I feel really passionate about in the medium lady community is that we all start to uplift the things that we love, the things that we find fun, the things that kind of snap us out of the hamster wheel of our own thinking to experience tactile joy through the day. One of the things I realized was that I love makeup. I love collecting makeup. I love talking about makeup. I love learning about makeup. If there's any makeup lovers out there, you can connect with me anytime. But I was suppressing that because I had really leaned into heteronormative senses of interests and, or perhaps not heteronormative, I had really leaned into gender stereotypes about who likes makeup and who doesn't and who can talk about makeup and who can't and who can talk about makeup with and without. And so I would enjoy makeup, but I would sort of do it on the side. And if I bought makeup, I was kind of squirreling it away to look at it and enjoy on my own. And I wasn't sharing that with my family because I felt like they wouldn't be interested. And if they weren't interested, then they would be rejecting me and my interests. But what I really realized is that actually it doesn't have to be quite so serious as that. And really just explaining to people the things that you love and loving them whether others like them or not is a way to turn down the input and turn up paying attention to your own sense of your own direction, your own personal compass towards what really makes you feel the most like yourself. Sometimes these are just like really simple moments like putting on a hand cream that just has the perfect smell to you or lighting a candle and watching the fire burn, or putting on some highlighter and just enjoying the flash of the way that the highlighter catches the light. These are all just really mindful, fun 
at their best. These moments of engaging your senses, singing songs at the top of your lungs, having a bubble bath, listening to the sound of leaves crunching on the sidewalk. All of these moments are these beautiful, quiet, or loud moments of fun, but you're present. You're living in accessing the limitlessness of the very moment that is defining your life for you. When I step back and I think about the last three years or the last 50 episodes, I can find medium effort and mindful fun in every moment of that personal journey. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to step back and say, I wasn't living my life with rigid perfectionism, and I also wasn't waiting for the world to pass me by. I was actively engaged in the pursuit of self-discovery with a sense of experimentation and a sense of fun and understanding that sometimes things weren't going to work out and sometimes things were going to work out, but ultimately that I was a person who was worthy, that I was a person who was kind, gentle, and compassionate no matter where I was, no matter who I was talking to in the world, that that would always be true. Medium effort and mindful fun. I think I'm going to wrap it up there, although sometimes I feel like I could say so much more. And even now, I am looking back and always feeling a little bit worried that perhaps I didn't quite say it in just the right way. But if I can role model to you exactly now how that's going to be, then I'm going to tell you that it is extremely fun for me to sit in my chair with my mic, using my voice as a way to connect with you. I'm imagining you. I am feeling love for you. And that connection is truly so special. And that's my mindful fun moment. And my medium effort moment is saying, I'm kind of worried about this. Did I get it right? Did I really say it the way I meant it? Will people understand me? And that's, you know, my own sense of perfectionism still wanting to maybe keep keep myself small. Maybe keep myself simple. And I'm not a simple person, and you're not either. And it's these complex ideas and notions that take time to unpack and help us really see ourselves as worthy and loved and special and unique. Um, And so I'm going to put some medium effort into remembering that episode 50, as much as it feels like a super milestone, is really just one moment in the grand discovery of my life and will neither be a 10 nor will it be a zero. (laughs) I am really, truly so grateful for you. However you found this episode, that's such a special thing in this world, to make connections wherever they're happening. If there's anything that my recovery from postpartum depression and our recovery through the pandemic has taught me, it's that every moment of connection is like a diamond to be treasured. And I know that by using my voice through this podcast, I'm connecting with you. Truly, one of the things that I am the most proud of on any given day is that connection with you. And then also it's driving me deeper into a connection with myself, which is perhaps less tangible, but more profoundly life-changing and life-giving. So thank you so much for your time and attention today. I know that those are valuable resources to you as they are to me. Thank you for celebrating three years of Medium Lady with me. Thank you for celebrating episode 50. I want you to know that regardless of where you are in the world today, you are doing such a good, good job. I love you so much, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye.